Well, hello. I'm Lainey, also known as Electro Girl, and I'm an advocate for empowering people to get back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. See, I was diagnosed with epilepsy 30 years ago and basically was never satisfied with hearing from a doctor that pharmaceuticals would be the only approach to controlling my seizures. I just wasn't going to take it. Out of my way, mortal. So I committed many, many years to researching and finding an answer outside of the Western medicine approach to find a more holistic approach in managing and treating my epilepsy and the seizures. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is a show about exactly that. Each week, we will be looking into the life of someone who has been diagnosed with a condition or illness and has succeeded in managing their diagnosis both in and outside of Western medicine. To start off, we will look at the Western medicine prognosis and approach to dealing with their diagnosis inside the square. Then, we'll dip our toes a little deeper into their story where we talk about other empowering modalities that worked for those people outside of that square. Basically, what put them back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. So hang around with me while we explore living in and outside the medical square when it comes to loving your diagnosis. Welcome to Nat. Nat, I'll say Natalie Holcroft because that's your full name. Did I pronounce that right? You sure did. Okay, but you like Nat, huh? Yeah. All right. Yeah, go by either one. All right, let's just go Nat. It's a, it's a lot more, you know, sort of intimate. Where are you from in the world? I am in Connecticut, USA. The USA. That's great. You're the second USAian. No, no, no. You're the second uh, American that we've, I've had on the show, which is amazing. All right, well, let's start with what you've been diagnosed with how long ago, and a brief description of what it is. Sure. I was diagnosed with AVM, arteriovenous malformation, epilepsy, and depression, anxiety, and dermatomyositis. Oh, that's a big one. What's that? I haven't heard of that before. It is an autoimmune disease, and I probably haven't heard of it because it's pretty rare, apparently. That's my MO. I go for the rare ones. Congratulations. Thank you. Go big. It is a autoimmune of the muscles, skin, and uh, I believe connective tissue. Wow. And were you born with all of that or did they develop over time? No. The only one I was born with was the AVM and I didn't know it until it ruptured when I was 14. And just a little brief description of what AVN is. AVM. Um, it is, this one happened to be in my brain. I guess they can be anywhere in the body. And it is when the artery is going into the veins, they don't have capillaries. So the blood is going too fast into the veins. So it starts pooling and then it too much pressure. So it ruptures, causing a big blood clot. Wow. So it was in my brain. So the blood clot became the size of a baseball in a very short time. Shit. That's quite big. Yeah. So how long? How old were you when you were diagnosed with that one? That was my 14th birthday. Oh, happy birthday. On the actual day? Uh, yeah. And were seizures associated with that massive clot or did that come later? It came, um, I guess, two months later. And it was just because there was, they said of the scar tissue and too much raw blood on the brain. Okay. 
great. Well, not great at all. That's pretty yeah. pretty full on for a teenager. You're usually supposed to bleed from your vagina at that age. Don't you <laughs> Yeah, well, that was probably happening too. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess at 14, you know, did you have quite a normal life? Was there a lot of stress going on for you at the time? Any like trauma, nothing like that? No, I I was like the girl you hated to hate. I had everything. Okay. Yeah, I was like MVP in soccer. I played track, you know, ran track. I did I was swimming. I did boating. We lived on a lake. Like I was that girl you hated and I lost everything. Yeah. I lost all of that. Well, that's a big lesson, isn't it? Big lesson. You were kind of, did you have a bit of an ego at 14 about all that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I was the shit. (laughs) Well, you still are. You're just a different (laughs) smell of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's really that's a that's really fascinating. So everything was like picture perfect in inverted it, commas. That, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Were you were you experimenting with like drinking or smoking cigarettes? No, I was very much into sports as were my two sisters and we just we were very athletic. We you know, played a lot of soccer, swimming. No, I at 14 I was I was top of my class. I was no, there were there was no drinking drugs, nothing like that. Okay. You were snow fucking white. Hmm? Well, then what what was that turning point then? What happened because of the clot that you thought, I gotta check this out. This is this I can't go on. This something's absolutely not right. At the end it was the end of seventh grade. I had perfect vision and all of a sudden within a very short time I couldn't see right in front of me. And I told my mom and she wears glasses. She was like, yeah, yeah, we'll get your glasses before the school next year. And then all of a sudden I started having migraines and throwing up. And I was like, something's wrong. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I have migraines. We'll get it checked out, you know. And so she wasn't concerned. You know, nothing was triggering anything for her. And then we were on vacation on Lake Ontario and I had shooting pains up my arm and I was crying to her. And she was like, yeah, it's a pinched nerve. No biggie. Like, whatever. And she left to come back to Connecticut and told my grandma, like, oh, she has a pinched nerve. Don't let her cry too much. You know, like she'll be fine. And my mom came back in, you know, the end of the week to pick us up. And I said, mom, my head hurts. And she's like, yeah, I'm making lunch. Go lay down. Oh, she must feel great about this now. (laughs) Well, that's just kind of how we were raised. You know, it was just nothing was a big deal. and. Um, I went to lay down and my mom said she went to eat lunch and she just felt this weird feeling that she needed to check on me. And she came inside and I was blind. I couldn't see her. And I kept saying, mom, where are you? Where are you? And she's like, Natalie, I'm right here. And I was like, I can't see you. And she tried to sit me up and I just started vomiting everywhere. And she said within half an hour, she knew that something was wrong. Yep. Probably when you can't see her and you're vomiting, yeah, that might might mean that, yeah, let's go check this shit out. Yeah. yeah. Mother's intuition, huh? So what kind of tests were done immediately when you got into the hospital? Was it a hospital you went straight to? Yeah, so they called 911 because my mom didn't want me throwing up in her car. <laughs> and it was just a small town hospital there. And 
normally they said they do spinal taps first to check for meningitis and the cat scan happened to be open. So I went in and they came back out to get my mom who was there with my grandma and said, uh, you got to come back here. And they brought my mom and grandma back into a little room and said, we're sending her to the trauma center. This is too big for us to handle. Um, she has a blood clot the size of a baseball in her brain and we can't do anything for her. And they were going to airlift me there. The helicopter was out and they said, uh, you can meet her there. She's already on her way. Wow. And was it immediate surgery? What did they, what did they have to do? So when I got there, they said that they had a called in, um, one of the top neurosurgeons and, my mom said when she saw him, he walked in in a suit. So she knew they had called him in from, you know, a fancy dinner or something. And he said, you know, she may not walk, may not talk or have a left field cut. And this could be fatal, but we're, we're going to try. So he wasn't pissed off that you uh, stopped his shrimp and cocktail dinner? No, I guess I guess not. He was a pretty cool guy. And my my mom just kept saying, just get in there, just get in there. <laughs> but so they came back out and handed her my hair in a bag. They said for the next 48 hours, we won't know if she'll make it. Wow. So they called my dad, who was back in Connecticut. They called my, you know, everyone to come in to say, you know, to see me because they didn't think I was going to make it. Do you have pictures of yourself at that time? I suppose who, who would be taking a picture? No. And that's what my mom said. That's her biggest regret is. She's like, I wish I had a picture. She, they had put me in a induced coma for the next, um, I forget how two weeks or something like that, because they said if they had woken me up, I would have died from the pain. It would have raised my blood pressure too much, and I would have uh, made the bleed again. So first surgery, they just took out the blood clot to make it so I could raise the pressure. Right, right, and take out the bone, you know, to relieve the pressure. So then the next few weeks were just survival. And after they realized I was going to make it, I stayed in ICU in the trauma center. And I just, I remember asking them constantly to take my catheter out. I was like, just please, I'll get up. And they said, no, because I didn't have a bone. I couldn't get up. I have to wear a helmet. And so finally I said, where's my helmet? You know, like, get me the helmet. I'll get up. And then I remember being sent to a the oncology floor because they said that that's where I fit in. I had no hair. They had no hair. You know, I needed it really quiet. It's a really quiet floor. So I was sent there and then I would need more surgeries to remove the AVMs. And I, um, I believe they said five other aneurysms they would still have to remove. Okay. So how many surgeries did you end up having for this? For that, when I, the first time in the hospital, I had two surgeries and then the AVM did grow back. So I had gamma knife to remove it. So it was too deep and too close to the brainstem. Wow. So you've had three brain surgeries at 14. Yeah. For the AVM. And then for epilepsy, I've had some brain surgeries as well. Okay. We'll get into that in a sec. How long were you in hospital? Um, I believe it was about six weeks. That's, that's nothing for three. You know, that's pretty incredible actually for three brain surgeries. So you know, when all this was happening, were you in denial about this or were you fully present with what was going on? I had, I think at that point, I mean, I was young enough that I had no idea what was going on. I was just like, if they said, 
you know, we're, we're doing this, you know, cast can today and this angiogram. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And so everyone was like, yeah, you're so brave. But at that point, you're just like, what other choice do you have? What else are you going to do? Like, no, I'm not doing it. Like, I, Okay. So did you, did you lead a pretty normal life afterwards? Were you back doing gymnastics and triple pikes and stuff like that? No. The only thing I tried to go back to, I tried soccer and my neurologist said no more soccer because you can't get a ball to the head. And then I ended up having a grand mal seizure on the field and I was embarrassed to go back. And then I tried track and it was eighth grade. And I, of course, was sweating, running, and I guess they said I sweat out my meds. So I ended up having a seizure at track, and I was embarrassed to go back. I think I did go back to track, but it, it just wasn't the same. I, I wasn't my normal athletic self. You know, I was, didn't have all the muscle tone anymore. I was just laying in bed for six weeks. I, I just wasn't me. And your brain needed a chance to re you know understand what it what its new role is you know with with bits and pieces removed okay so moving on to the epilepsy part of it then were you diagnosed with that as a byproduct of what happened with the veins yes and what kind of epilepsy were you diagnosed with um at first it was grand mal seizures tonic clonic seizures and then they realized I was having seizures all day long. You know, the focal aware seizures or the, the, I would be aware of things, but my kind of brain was not there. And so you would you stare? Yeah. I was just having auras all day long. And so I was just in school mentally, just, I was in the special ed room all day, you know, just not understanding what was going on. So with aura seizures, do you, can you still communicate with people? It's just something that you feel in your head. Yeah. I, I feel drunk all the time or I feel um, like my speech is all slurred or I forget what I'm even talking about or doing or and it comes and goes. Okay. And did they get straight onto it and just flood you with medicine? Yeah, I was on so many meds that I started growing facial hair. I started... I mean, it was the meds were crazy and they still weren't stopping the seizures. I would, my, the seizures are getting worse and worse. And my mom finally went in and said, look, I don't know if she'll survive another seizure. And that's when they got serious about more meds and trying different meds. And we went from doctors in Connecticut to doctors back at the trauma center. And um, I had a VNS put in a vagus nerve stimulator but I tried every med and either they didn't work or the side effects, I couldn't handle the side effects. So the vagus nerve stimulator is put into your chest and then is, is your brain operated on as well? Yeah. So, well, it was put in the chest and then also cut here and tied in there. And it just kind of tickles at your throat or pulls at your throat. And you have the magnet, you can swipe it if you feel a seizure coming or just, and they just kept bumping up the stimulation and it did it seemed to help I was able to cut back on the meds but still I would just the meds would work for a little while and then I would start having breakthrough seizures again and so then that med was out and how old were you when this was going on so they started when I was 14 and that was all that was all of high school and then I just 
a year or two ago, did the epilepsy surgery. Okay. So between then and now as an adult, did you ever just go, I want to, there, you know, there's got to be other ways besides this, the medical realm to, to look after myself and try and um, avoid the seizures or were you completely just trusting in the system? I tried like the keto diet and it helped feel better, but I knew I couldn't like get rid of meds or anything because if I even missed a dose of meds, I would have seizures. I don't know about where you are, but we didn't have medical marijuana yet. Obviously we do now, but then we, that wasn't an option. So there really wasn't anything else to try. My seizures were bad enough that I, if I tried something that didn't work, it, it could have been life or death. Like it, the seizures were just, they were lasting over 10 minutes long and I wasn't breathing through them. Shit. Were you going blue? Yeah. My mom said I was going going blue, then going gray. And she's like, I don't know if she'll make it. Well, clearly you're a survivor because you're here. We'll get to the brain surgery in a sec. Do do you feel now that you're in control of this? Because that's the main thing is that you like, for me, it was really important that I take control back of my management and treatment plan instead of just outsourcing it to practitioners that feel that they know what's best for me. Do you feel like you're in control of your treatment, even though, you know, you have to be on medications and things like that? I feel in control for a few reasons. One, the meds seem to be helping mixed with the surgery. And because my doctor is very open to working with me, he's been extremely helpful. I can email him. He emails me right back or calls me or if I say I don't feel comfortable with that, he's right with, okay, well, we're not doing it. Or, you know, it's like he understands that this isn't just like his job. It's my life. Like it's, it's very much a team effort. Okay. So you had brain surgery to take up the part of the brain where the, where the seizures would be, where the abnormal activity was out. Yes. Wow. You have, you must have so many scars on your skull. Yeah, well, if I if I move my hair any way, it's like it's there's scars everywhere. Yeah, it's just one big loop of scar. Did you take photos that time? Well, I'm constantly shaving my head because of different surgeries. I have a six year old son who's constantly asking me, "Am I ever going to have long hair again?" <laughs> hopefully, son. Hopefully, maybe you can send me a photo to put up on the. Yeah, I have tons of them. Oh, you're great. Send me a couple of juicy pictures of your of your gorgeous skull with a few scars on them. That's always interesting. So do you think that'll be the last operation? I don't yeah. The the workup was a couple surgeries in itself. You gotta have the intracranial EEG and then another surgery to take all those out and then another surgery to have the actual removal and so it's quite quite a process, but obviously well worth it. And I wasn't sure what side effects I would have from losing those parts of the brain. From my initial bleed, I have a left field cut. And that only got a little bit worse with taking out parts of the brain. They weren't sure if I would just be totally blind on one side. And the only thing, other thing that I can really get annoyed with sometimes is, I don't know the word for it, but like 
like counting. I can't look at a room and like count how many people are in it or like it's like almost a spatial thing or like a I can't do like practical life skills like that sometimes. Can you drive? I do drive because when I have seizures, I have such a long aura um that I I can pull over in time. Yeah, fabulous. At least that's one one freedom and one liberty that you you haven't had to give up. Are there any healthy lifestyle choices that you've decided to take on just to now support the brain that is in your head? Because medicines, how many different medications are you on now? I don't know, maybe four or five. And they've found the balance? You haven't had seizures? Um, I still have seizures. It's just not nearly as many. And my, my seizures used to be extremely painful. I would scream until I passed out. And that was the big goal was like to get take that away and that has seemed to go away because they they took away the pain sensory part I, I believe and so I don't have to feel that and do you have the the clotting in the brain anymore is that fixed uh as far as I know that's fixed and the comorbidities of anxiety and depression that's being dealt with as well is it yeah through therapy and some medication and I mean that's that's been going on since I was 14, I think just from trying to figure out my new life and who I am. Well, that leads me, I guess, to, to one of my final questions for you is that, you know, the name of this podcast is Love Your Diagnosis. Would you say that you love your diagnosis? I truly believe everything happens for a reason. And when I was 14, I, I was that girl you love to hate. And I think for the most part, I can definitely say having what happened to me totally changed who I was. I am no longer this stuck up 14 year old girl who walks around like I'm better than you. I walk around like wanting to help everyone else. And I believe that this happened to me because I got that I needed to be put in my place yeah, at 14, though, like, you know, we're all a bit stuck up our own asses, really, you know, on yeah. some level. I love, like, showing awareness for my diagnoses, and I love, um, like, going to all the walks. I love that kind of thing. I love, I love my diagnosis that I have a son because of my diagnosis. I was on so many meds, it made birth control ineffective. <laughs> I... I mean, I just, I believe everything happens for a reason. And so I, I love my diagnosis because of that. Yeah. Well, getting a son out of it is, is pretty good. I'm proud. Like when I see awareness bands or awareness shirts and stuff, like I'm proud to wear them and I love it that way. Do I wish it didn't happen to me sometimes? Of course. Who doesn't? Who wants, who like, who wants to have to worry about seizures every day, but it is what it is. And I love being able to say that I'm working on it and I survived what I did. Yeah. Beautiful. And it's always a work in progress. You know, people address it in different ways. Yeah. I guess, you know, for me personally, I'm an advocate of using holistic, a holistic approach to my brain health. So, you know, have to be on a little bit of medication, but also I take all these other great stuff that, that, that helps my nervous system and brain outside of it, because that's really important to me. That helps me love my diagnosis more by 
by looking into different ways where I could take the most minimal amount of medication. In your case, you know, it's a big risk and experimenting with your health is a brave, risky thing. But it's, you know, it's it's something that is is such a personal choice. If um if you had one tip that you could say to people going through what you have or similar to what you have to give them a bit of hope or give them a bit of guidance, what would it be? Um, my tip of hope is that it took me 15 years to get where I am at, where I started out having several to hundreds of seizures a month to now just, you know, a couple here and there a month. But it took me 15 years to get where I'm at. And so just because you're struggling right now doesn't mean that you will be like that forever. It's that it takes time to try different things. It takes time to try one thing and see if it works. It's, it's a process. It's takes forever and don't give up because it's, it is frustrating. Yeah. And, and just some guidance. You did say something in there before uh, as, uh, as far as guidance goes, just that find a doctor. That's so true. I did start with a doctor that we didn't get along and that was, the hardest thing for me, I was only getting sicker and sicker. And um, when I switched doctors to someone who I really liked, that's when I started improving. But when I had a doctor that we didn't agree, I was in the emergency room every week. So that is definitely key. Yeah, that's great. And that's a good actual uh, parting gift for someone. Um, so, yeah. Well, it's great that you've still got a little bit of your journey ahead and so much more out there to research and look into. And, you know, you've got obviously got very supportive family behind you, which helps. And thank you so much for sharing your story. I don't know if you've done this before, but you did it really well. Never done it, but I enjoy sharing it. For all the people who are going through the same thing and scared to share. I'll let you know when it comes out and then you can share it on your, you can be brave and share it on your socials and things like that. Awesome. That would be great. Well, yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks for being part of this and, and for being brave and being alive, really. You've done well. You're supposed to be here by the sound of it. Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> totally. Well done. Thanks, darling. Thank you. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is proudly produced by me. That was really interesting. I'd never heard of arterial venous malformation before, but it sounds like uh, a very challenging thing to have been diagnosed with, particularly because Nat had had three brain surgeries at the age of 14 within a six-week span. So, I mean, what a legend. And then she had another two surgeries in her lifetime to do with epilepsy that the epilepsy started as a byproduct of the AVM. So in this situation, Nat didn't really get a chance to even explore too many options outside of pharmaceutical medications because if she did go too far out of the protocol that her doctors were recommending, she could have faced death just because of the complications that she that she dealt with in her brain. She did try keto, 
but she knew that she needed to be on meds, so she just surrendered to the fact that uh, medicine was just going to be a part of her life. Thankfully, she got down to about four or five medicines from trying a plethora of them that weren't actually doing anything. So that's always a bonus for someone that has been diagnosed with something and trying to find the silver lining in it all, especially when you're on so many medications with extremely hard side effects to deal with. I take my hat off to Nat. It's an incredible journey that she's been through. So it just goes to show, and she's totally resigned to her diagnosis. She loves her diagnosis now. She feels that everything happens for a reason and that she was given this as a gift, all these complications with her brain. She also added that, you know, if she hadn't have gone through down these pathways and all this medication, that she wouldn't have had a child because it actually stopped her from... Um, stopped her contraception from working so she was gifted a child in all of this as well you know thanks to everyone who who is brave enough to come on to the to be interviewed and share their story I just uh, once again after hearing that story I just love doing this and really encourage you to get in touch if you have a diagnosis that you've looked at under the light of an allopathic pathway and then gone, you know what, I think I might actually like research this, 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 this and this. The take home message for Nat is also, as other, as other interviewees have said, find a doctor that understands you and your diagnosis because it makes all the difference. If you enjoyed today's show, at this stage, all you have to do is listen and tell your friends about it because there could just be a story on here that they've got diagnosed with or that they can relate to where they get to think outside the square. And a few seeds might be planted in their brains about other ways of dealing with it besides just what the original diagnosis and prognosis is. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn a little bit more about other options for what you can utilize for your wellness journey, click on the link below to the Happy Herb Company. They've got lots of amazing products to assist in getting you started in your wellness journey. Thanks again for listening. I'm Lainey Chait.